Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Colt Sebastian Taylor. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur podcaster here, bringing you all the news you may have missed last week, this week, and probably some things you probably already heard about that I want to talk about also. Uh, as always, you can find me across a multitude of social media channels like the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, uh, the Cameo, the Twitch, uh, all at Colt S. Taylor, as well as Counter Social and Threads. Uh, catch up all my adventures at ColtSebastianTaylor.com. And then finally, most importantly, if you're listening to this, you are most likely a subscriber and follower at Anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor where I post this episode every Saturday for your consumption. All right, my friends, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. First up this week, as you may have heard last weekend, uh, unfortunately, Matthew Perry, the actor, passed away uh, at the very young age of, I believe, like 50, 54, uh, was found uh, dead uh, in his home in, I believe, Los Angeles. Uh, right now, the current working theory is he had a cardiac event in a hot tub and then drowned in the hot tub thereafter. Uh, cause of death is currently currently um, deferred deferred at the moment. They're doing a um, um, they they are doing a you know toxicology and and autopsy and whatnot. Uh, obviously, obviously. Uh, you know, he's had some uh, backgrounds with uh, drug and alcohol abuse, so they want to make sure to see what's going on there. Um, but uh, a very shocking, very shocking announcement last week that he had passed away. Uh, best known for his role as Chandler Biggs on Friends. Uh, that show went from, I believe, 19, uh, 1994 to 2004. Uh, he was in uh, 236 episodes as uh, one of the main quote-unquote friends and whatnot. Um, and uh, also did uh, several movies that are very good. I definitely recommend The Whole Nine Yards from 2000 with Bruce Willis and Amanda Peet, one of my favorite movies. But he was also uh, known for Fool's Russian, Almost Heroes, uh, Three to Tango, Serving Sarah, the Whole Ten Yards, which was a sequel to The Whole Nine Yards, and uh, several other movies. Uh, did a bunch of series, even after Friends. Uh, he did Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Uh, he was a recurring role in The Good Wife. Uh, he was in Go On. Uh, he did a remake of The Odd Couple. And uh, he, of course, most recently was seen in the uh, Friends reunion special, um, talking, about, uh, talking about Friends. Uh, but as I mentioned, uh, he did have a uh, drug and addiction problem. Uh, he became addicted to Vicodin after 1997 uh, uh, jet ski accident. Uh, he was taking up to 55 Vicodin pills a day. Uh, when he was 30, he suffered from alcohol-induced uh, pancreatitis. Um, and he had to go through several, several rehabs uh try to get that under control in fact he says he he says there's a few seasons of the friends friends show he just doesn't remember doing 
doesn't remember doing any of these episodes. Uh, in the later seasons, uh, later seri- seasons in the se- series, uh, he was apparently frequently drunk and high on set. Uh, the cast members tried tried to get a few interventions with him, but was uh, unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. Like I said, he does not remember three a three-year period of acting on Friends because of his addictions. Uh, basically addicted to Vicodin, uh, amphetamines, uh, methadone. Um, he uh, went to, was in a coma for two weeks in 2018 uh, due to gastrointestinal perforation due to uh, Vicodin abuse. Uh, but he had recently, seemingly, had managed to get uh, back on track until his unfortunate passing. Um, in 2022, he estimated he spent $9 million on his addiction, uh, which includes 14 stomach therapy uh, surgeries, 15 stays in rehab, and therapy twice a week for 30 years. Uh, and he also uh, said that he's attended almost 6,000 Alcoholic Anonymous meetings. So he had a struggle with addiction and uh, unfortunately passed away last week. Uh, lots of people put out various statements uh, praising his friendship and acting and how sad they were. And apparently some of his friends are getting together to start the Matthew Perry Foundation uh, advocacy for people struggling with addiction. Um, according to a uh, press release, uh, the Matthew Perry Foundation, uh, which he planned to launch before his death, uh, will help individuals struggling with addiction uh, is now accepting donations and will be managed by the National Philanthropic Trust, according to multiple news outlets. And um, Perry uh, was very involved with drug abuse advocacy. Uh, he lobbied Congress in 2011 to fund drug courts, an alternative to incarceration that aims to help individuals recover from addiction and reduce further uh, criminal activity. Uh, he transformed his former Malibu, California mansion into a sober living facility that opened in 2015. Um, in 2013, he was honored with the Champion of Recovery Award from the Obama administration's Office of National Drug and Control Policy. Um, and um, um, and um, in 2022, uh, his memoir, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, uh, he spoke openly about his addiction struggles and dedicates the book. And in the dedication to the book states, quote, for all the sufferers out there, you know who you are. Uh, like I said, they're still investigating his official cause of death, as is uh, routine in these sort of situations. He, um, um, yeah, so, so very, very sad, very sad to hear that he had passed away, uh, likely due to a heart attack, uh, which, you know, years of abuse, years of abuse, uh, does take a toll on someone's, uh, uh, health system, so, but, uh, once that is officially announced, my friends, I'll get back to you, let you know what the official cause of death is, uh, the unfortunate passing at the age of, uh, 54 of Matthew Perry. In other celebrity passings, Richard Roundtree passed away last week at the age of 81 from pancreatic cancer, best known as uh, Shaft, also was in the show Roots, 
Uh, like I said, passed away at the age of 81. Uh, his longtime manager, Patrick McMinn, told the Associated Press that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died at his in Los Angeles uh, last week. Uh, he was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1993 and actually went under a double mas mastectomy. mastectomy. Uh, according to McKinnon, quote, Richard's work and career served as a turning point for African-American leading men. The impact he had on the industry cannot be overstated. Um, he became a uh, cancer advocate, raising awareness of the disease. Uh, you know, breast cancer in men is very uncommon and not often talked about. Uh, in a 2007 interview, Richard Roundtree said, quote, Not talking about my cancer was really tough. And now that I do talk about it all the time, it's really become a backhanded blessing. I was getting on a plane recently, and a flight attendant ran up to me and said, You saved my husband's life. Uh, he was born in New York, uh, New Rochelle, New York, in 1942. Made his silver screen debut in 1971 with a guest starring role on uh, Gordon Parks' directed, uh, a starring role on Gordon Parks' directed Shaft which followed the exploits of Private Eye John Shaft. It was a low-blood budget movie that rocked the cultural firmament fir like an earthquake, according to the Associated Press. Uh, it was made for $500,000 and grossed $13 million, grabbing the Best Original Song Oscar for Isaac Hayes, who composed the title track. And then after that, it was like the first movie in a deluge of so-called black, uh, black exploitation movies throughout the 1970s. Um, the film uh, was a turning point for African Americans in uh, American cinema, and Shaft was the template for the genre with black actors featured in every key role and its unvarnished portrayal of ghetto life. Uh, Richard Roundtree earned a Golden Globe nomination uh, for Most Promising Male Newcomer in 1972. Uh, he also went on to portray John Shaft in 1972's John Sh Shaft's Big Score, 1973 Shaft in Africa, and the Shaft TV series. He was also in the 1977 blockbuster miniseries Roots, where Roundtree played Sam Bennett, starring in the historical drama opposite of LeVar Burton, Robert Reed, and John Amos. Uh, the NAACP Image Award-nominated actor kept busy throughout the decades, making guest appearances on The Love Boat, Magnum P.I., Fresh Christian Bel-Air, and Beverly Hills 90210. And he even returned as Shaft in the reboot Shaft with Samuel L. Jackson and Jesse T. Usher. And that film grossed around $21 million in the box office. His most recent movie appearance was the 2023 comedy Moving On with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Many different people went to social media uh, to mourn his loss and celebrate his life. According to uh, Samuel Jackson posted on, on Instagram, Richard Roundtree, the prototype, the best to do it ever, shaft as we know it and will always be his creation, his passing leaves a deep hole, not only in my heart, but I'm sure a lot of y'all's too. Uh, love you, brother. I'll see you walking down the middle of Main Street in heaven and Isaac conducting your song, Coat Blowing in the Wind. Um, according to, uh, da -da 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 um, round, uh, uh, um, sorry, I lost where I was reading here. Um, 
Union uh, wrote, uh, he was always the coolest man in the room with the best vibes and people would literally run over to come see him. We love him all. Uh, according to uh, Loretta Devine, uh, I have no words for his loss. Richard, you have made such a lasting impact on my life. I'm forever grateful for your warm energy, your light, your heart, and your incredible wisdom. I will miss our times together in our trailers. You teach me the right way to take down some whiskey. I love you. Thank you for the blessing this world with your gifts. Rest in power. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, who you know from Westworld and Hunger Games, was also in the 2000 Shaft movie, uh, posted the OG and a lovely man, R.I.P. Uh, and then finally, Cheryl Lee Ralph uh, said, quote, When I was a teenager, I used to dream about growing up to meet Richard Roundtree. And I did, and what a wonderful human being. Uh, she is on Abbott Elementary. So, anyways, Richard Roundtree, the original Shaft, very, very important actor in cinema history, passed away last week at the age of 81 from pancreatic cancer. In other celebrity news, Willie Nelson, don't worry, he's fine, and he's celebrating his 90th birthday with a show on CBS and Paramount+. Plus called Willie Nelson's 90th Birthday Celebration, coming this Sunday, December 17th. Um, it was announced last uh, this week during a appearance on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Uh, it's a two-hour show. They'll be on Sunday, December 17th, starting at 8.30, uh, 8.30 p.m. 8.30 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, streaming live and on-demand via Paramount+. Plus. Um, the special was recorded earlier this year across two nights before a sold-out crowd at the Hollywood Bowl celebrating Willie Nelson's 90th birthday and his 12-time Grammy Award-winning contributions to popular culture and music. Performances from... Get this is this is the who's who here. Performances from uh, Beck, Gary Clark Jr., Cheryl Crow, Snoop Dogg, Nora Jones... Miranda Lambert, Dave Matthews, as well as his sons, Luke, Lucas Nelson and Mika Nelson, Keith Richards, who's not a son, as well as Keith Richards, George Strait, and Chris Stapleton, uh, hosted by Jennifer Garner and Chelsea Handler, Handler, as well as Woody Harrelson, Ethan Hawke, Helen Mirren, and Owen Wilson. That is a star-studded selection of people coming to Willie Nelson's birthday. That's pretty incredible. Um, he said, uh, quote, um, it is, oh no, this is from uh, Mike, Mark Ro Rothbaum and Keith Wortman, uh, creators and executive producers of the show, said, It is the sincere privilege of our lives to have produced these shows celebrating our beloved Willie and to partner with CBS to bring this special to fans around the world. Viewers will now have a chance to sing, laugh, and cry and experience the joy of this celebration like never before. So, uh, if you're a big fan of Willie Nelson, and, you know, I don't like listen to him on a regular basis, but the guy is good. He's very, very good, and he's touched a lot of people's lives. So, if you're a big fan of Willie Nelson, perfect, perfect thing, week be week before Christmas weekend, to check out, pour yourself a nice hot toddy, may smoke a little bit of the Mary Jane, because I'm sure he's probably high on stage, December 17th, and watch Willie Nelson's 90th birthday, on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. In other music news, Guns N' Roses uh, debuted a new song this week called The General. Uh, they were playing at the Hollywood Bowl uh, in Los Angeles, and they uh, debuted a new song, The General, 
live. It was about apparently 10 songs into the set between recent tunes, perhaps an absurd. Before the track, Axl Rose said, quote, we're going to try a new song and the experience could be very interesting. Uh, the General is apparently a B-side to the recent physical release of Perhaps, which arrived earlier this year. The song marks the fourth new track Guns N' Roses have released since 2016's return of classic members Slash and Duff McKagan. Uh, all the songs were reworked from early demos, mostly from the Chinese Democracy Sessions. Uh, Guns N' Roses will close out their 2023 tour with a show on Sunday, that's tomorrow, at Hell and Heaven Festival in Mexico City. Uh, so far, they have no shows booked for 2024, but apparently Slash is hitting the road next year on an international tour with his band Slash featuring Miles Candy and the Conspirators, which you can get tickets for. And uh, you can uh, listen to the song online. They... Uh, Lots of YouTube recordings of it, and you can check it out, especially if you are a Guns N' Roses fan. A lot of good songs. So, new song from Guns N' Roses, The General. Check it out. Speaking of new songs, The Beatles released their last song this week. Yes, yes, That no, let me provide some context. Now, obviously, The Beatles... Um, you know, the, you got you got your Ringo, you got your Ringo Starr, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, and George Harrison. Um, John Lennon was shot and killed in the early '80s. George Harrison passed away in 2000s. Um, but they did release a new song. The Fab Four did release a a new song, and it's very very interesting. Very, I, I there's like a 12 minute documentary about it. Uh, but basically, basically, when they were introduced um, in um, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the mid-90s, 1995, Yoko Ono, the wife of John Lennon, gave Paul McCartney several cassette tapes of demos that John Lennon was recording at home after they broke up. Uh, they took that music and they went to the studio for a few days and recorded a few songs, but there was one song called Now and Then uh, that they couldn't quite pull out of. The piano was a little bit too loud and they couldn't really remix it into songs. Well, anyways, time went by. George Harrison passed away in 2000. And recently, Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings fame took a bunch of, a uh, bunch of old Beatles footage and, um, songs from their, I think, Get Back recording session, which, uh, that's the famous one where they did the rooftop concerts and whatnot. Um, and like ran it through all of this new technology to clean up. And the, 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 the documentary looks beautiful. It looks like high def recordings and videos of these, of the Beatles working together. So they took, Paul McCartney took this cassette to Peter Jackson and it's like, what, what can we do with this? And they ran it through computers, some AI stuff, some formulas. I don't even know how it works, but they are able to pull out John Lennon's voice singing out of this cassette tape from the 80s. And then Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr worked together to make the song. Uh, they pulled George Harrison's uh, guitar work from 1995 when they were messing around with the song, put that, and then put together a beautiful song. And it is their last, their last song, basically. And they put out a music video, and the music video is Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney 
But then they took footage of George Harrison and John Lennon from different points of time and inserted them in various places throughout this music video. Like, you can tell that it's like, you know, it's it's from an older, older film, but like, it's very well done. Very well done. And it's a pretty good song. It's a pretty good song also. And the song is, the music video is like very reflective. Like Ringo's playing drums next to younger Ringo and Paul McCartney is playing guitar to younger Paul McCartney. And, you know, young John Lennon looks like he's waving at, you know, old Ringo and old Paul McCartney. And uh, it's, it's, a re it's a really good song, really good video. And just the process, the process of taking a cassette from the late 70s, early 80s that was, you know, stored away. You give it to the Lord of the Rings director puts it through a big old computer and can pull out the voice without any problem whatsoever. Like pulls it, pulls it out of the piano and then they can digitize it and use it and remix it. It is, I, it just blew my mind. There's like a 12 minute documentary about this that features lots of different people, including John Lennon's uh, son uh, talking about, Remembering John Lennon playing music in in at home and just recording things, messing around, and that you know, you know, almost you know, 50, 50, oh good, 20, 20, 40, 50 years later, you could take that, you can take that, put a computer, and be able to put out the song. So it is, I think, officially the Beatles as a as a quartet, their last song ever. Uh, was released this week. Now and then, check it out. Listen to it. Check out the music video. Um, I, I'm a, I'm not a big Beatles fan myself. Uh, and a lot of people get really, really obsessed about it. But this song, this video, very impressive. I highly recommend you check it out. It is some good, good, good stuff. Speaking of checking things out, if you are in the world of social media, which I am, you need a good social media posting system. And check out my friends at socialbee.io. They are the social media management tool that you need to keep yourself organized across all your social media profiles like the Facebook, the Twitter, the LinkedIn, the Instagram, the Pinterest, the Google My Business, the TikTok. Um, they have Giftly, Canva, Unsplash integrations right into their posts. You can structure your content into categories. You can connect an RSS feed of any blog to import content automatically. Uh, customize posts for each uh, social media networks individually. Automatically generate hashtags, which I do all the time, based on an image or the words you have. Uh, recycle evergreen posts. Set up a posting schedule for all your posts. Have multiple workspaces. Track your link's performances with over five URL shorter integrations. And most importantly, you got your metrics. Analyze the performance of your accounts. Try them out for 14 days for free. Don't even need to give them a password. I mean, you can tell them that Colt Sebastian Taylor sent you, but, you know, that don't matter. But check them out 14 days for free. And after those 14 days, I think you'll use them full-time like I do. Check out socialbee.io today. Moving on to sports news, uh, last week a hockey player uh, died uh, after taking an ice skate to the neck, uh, cutting him deeply, and then he died at the hospital shortly thereafter. Uh, Nottingham Panthers player Adam Johnson 
sustained a cut to the neck from a skate worn by the Sheffield Steelers, Matt Petgrave, uh, last week. Um, the Sheffield corner, uh, Tankia Rodden offered her sincere condolences to the friends and family of Johnson. There is an inquiry into that death. This took place in the United Kingdom, but it's been called a freak accident. The UK's top hockey division, the Elite Ice Hockey League, has announced that it will not make neck guards mandatory which would have uh, helped protect his neck, but strongly encouraged players and officials to wear them after Johnson's death and whatnot. Um, according to um, uh, the official statement, uh, quote, he was taken by ambulance to the North General Hospital in Sheffield where he later died that day as a result from the injuries he sustained. Um, he was identified by his partner, Ryan Wolf. Uh, and uh, inquiries will continue. Now, this is not the first time, uh, not the first time someone has uh, been uh, injured by a skate. First time someone has died, but uh, there was an incident a few years ago with uh, a blade to the neck, a lot of blood on the ice. Someone had their Achilles tendon cut by a blade a few years ago. Um, but uh, the NHL in the United States is very slow. Very slow to change for safety equipment. According to Philadelphia General Manager Danny Briere, who used to be a player, it's always tough to change. Uh, unfortunately, you're always waiting for something tragic to happen for change to come. Hopefully, we do not have to wait for another one. Uh, neck guards are not mandatory in NHL or any other kind of cut protection for wrists or the back of players' legs where they're most vulnerable, uh, other than their heavily guarded shoulders and elbows. Um... The uh, gruesome injury on the Achilles tendon prompted some players to try to use socks made of Kevlar, a synthetic fiber used to make it bulletproof vests, and uh, Cutlon, which is the fabric that's used to make uh, bite-resistant shark suits. Yeah. Uh, some, however, are, some, especially veterans, are reluctant because of how the comfort, how it feels on the ice. According to Jack Johnson... Uh, quote, they feel weird in my skates. I wasn't too happy with the way I f that I felt, but I've made it this far, so I'm going to stick with what's working. So, yeah. Uh, famously, uh, hockey players were not required to wear helmets into 1979, and those were just new players. If you played before 1979, you didn't have to wear a helmet, but if you started playing after 1979, um... You, you had to uh, wear a helmet. And uh, in 2013, uh, eye protectors, eye protectors, the face over the helmet to protect your eyes from hockey pucks, um, um, uh, they weren't mandatory until 2013. But like I said, um, helmets were not uh, mandatory until 1979, and uh, folks, there were still folks in in the NHL after 1979 that did not wear helmets. Uh, as late as um, the the last ten, the last ten, according to Hockey News, uh, was uh, Ron Dugray up until 1989. Al Secord, 1990, uh, Guy Lefeur, Guy Lefeur, 
1991. Harold Snips, 91. Um, Greg Smith in 1993. Um, uh, Doug, well, actually, the NHL, um, NHL uh, repealed the mandatory helmet rule between 1992 and 1994, but um, then they reinstated afterwards. So during those two years, you didn't have to wear them. Those two seasons, you didn't have to wear them. So these players didn't wear them during those seasons. Um, and that guy was uh, Greg Smythe. Doug Wilson, uh, Rod uh, Langway, uh, Brad Marsh, um, and uh, Craig McTavish. Craig McTavish, uh, he was the last one not to wear a helmet, him playing until 1997. He just got started in the NHL in 1979, so he's just in at that cutoff, playing from college, and he was the last one not to wear a helmet. So a lot of those old timers said they trained, they learned to play without a helmet, so they're not going to wear one now. Obviously, you should. But uh, yeah, those are the last ones. And the NHL is probably, you know, a few more cut tendons, sliced necks. They're probably going to require a little bit more safety uh, equipment on the ice. So we'll see if this changes. But right now in the United Kingdom, uh, there is an inquiry on Adam Johnson's death. Playing hockey, took a skate to the neck, and then died later that day. Moving along, uh, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow, is suing an app, uh, an AI app, that ripped off her likeness in an advertisement. And um, she appeared in a 22-second ad posted on Twitter by artificial intelligence image generation Lisa AI, 90s yearbook and avatar, uh, representatives for the actor confirmed to Variety that Johansson's not a spokesperson for the app, and her attorney, Kevin Yorn, handled the situation in the legal capacity. The advertisement was spotted on October 28th and has seemed to disappear from the internet. Quote the lawyer, uh, We do not take these things lightly. Uh, per our usual course of action in these circumstances, we will deal with it and all, with all legal remedies that we will have. Um... The ad, reviewed by Variety, is an old clip of Johansson behind the scenes of Marvel's Black Widow. Uh, Johansson says, What's up, guys? It's Scarlet, and I want you to come with me. Before a graphic covers her mouth and the screen transitions into AI-generated photos that resemble the actor, a fake voice imitating Johansson then continues to speak, promoting the AI app. It's not... It's not limited to avatars only. You can also create images with text and even your a your AI videos. I think you shouldn't miss it uh, in a fake voice. The fine print on the advertisement says, Images produced by Lisa AI. It has nothing to do with this person. <laughs> don't think, Still don't think you can do that, though, there, Lisa AI. Uh, Lisa AI apps, there's, there's several of them, is created by, uh, by Convert Software and remain in the App Store and Google Play. Uh, the the app maker did not respond to requests from Variety for comments and whatnot. Uh, many states have strict laws when it comes to the right of privacy, according to this article, uh, with California providing a civil claim for unauthorized use of one's, quote, name, voice, signature, photograph, or likeness, which is exactly what they did. Exactly what they did. So probably going to be sued. Uh, last month, this is not the first time, not the first time, Tom Hanks has also been used to promote uh, various things. In fact, uh, last month, 
a likeness and AI-generated face of him was used to promote a dental plan. That's not that's not what Tom Hanks does. Tom Hanks does not endorse dental plans. He had to post on his Instagram uh, saying, Beware, I have nothing to do with it. So, um, hey, bound to happen. I talked about this like three years ago, but AI voices, AI pictures becoming a problem. And now we're now it's a problem. Now it's a problem. Hey, it might be fun to see Johnny Cash sing Let It Go or have uh, Michael Jackson uh, sing a Beatles song or, you know, fake fake these different songs and whatnot. But now, now, now we're, now we're breaking a problem here where someone could take your likeness and your voice and use it to advertise something else. Like, I don't, I'm okay. No one wants this voice promoting a dental plan or this face promoting a dating app. Not a problem with me, my friends. But other folks, hmm, could be a problem. Could be a problem. In entertainment news, comedian Taylor Tomlinson was revealed to be the new host of CBS's new late night show, After Midnight. Uh, it broke the news Wednesday evening during the late show with Stephen Colbert, who has signed on as executive producer for the new show. So set to launch in early 2024, uh, taking the 12.35 a.m. slot following Comedy Central's uh, At Midnight, which ran from uh, 2013 to 2017. Uh, this show uh, will replace the Late Late Show with James Corden, who's retiring from the show. Um, Taylor Thompson, Thompson, Thompson has two many, two comedy specials on Netflix called Looking at You and Quarter Life Crisis. Uh, Quarter Life Crisis was released, uh, just before the 2020 pandemic and had some popular, uh, reviews. Uh, she was born in California and was a finalist on Last Comic Standing in 2015. She has 2.5 million followers on TikTok and 1.4 million followers on Instagram. I'm sure that helped with her, uh, with her, with her, uh, going for the show. Uh, After Midnight is based on At Midnight, the at sign, which followed The Daily Show and The Colbert Report between 2013 and 2017, hosted by Chris Hardwick, uh, which was a panel series, uh, and he interacted with guest comedians. Uh, notable names that appeared on that show include uh, Steve Aggie and Doug Benson. Um, uh, Stephen Colbert will be the executive producer and has the president of Spartina Industries, uh, Carrie Balick, executive producer at The Late Show, uh, Tom Purell, Evan McGee, Colbert, and James Dixon of Dixon Talent are all, uh, I guess, executive, uh, executive, uh, producers of, of the show. So, uh, Tomlinson is one of many female comedians to host a late night show, but, uh, having a regular shot has been a bit shaky. Um, not really, there's a bit, a few standouts, but it's a more of an exception than the rule, unfortunately. Uh, A Little Late with Lily Singh was canceled after two seasons between 2019 and 2022. Uh, the Rundown with Robin Feed ran for 17 episodes in 2017 and 2018. Uh, Zooey, which was an American satirical late-night talk show, hosted and executive produced by comedian Zooey uh, Fumado, ran for only two seasons from 2021 to 2022. Uh, however, there have been others who have done longer shows. Chelsea Handler hosted her late night E, e talk show, Chelsea Lately, 
uh, between 2007 and 2014, uh, one of the longest-running shows in genre, uh, as well as uh, Full Frontal with Samantha B, also a great show, uh, was on TBS from 2016 to 2022. The Amber Rufflin show on Peacock, first aired in 2020, uh, has not been canceled, but there have been no new episodes since December 2022. So, yeah. Anyways, so anyways, congratulations to um, uh, to uh, Taylor Tomlinson for the new Midnight Show after Midnight, after the late show, starting in 2024, 12.35 a.m. Will I be on that show? Probably not. I'm not that famous yet. Yet. But if I do, that will probably be the first one. I visit. I promise you, Taylor Tomlinson, if I become famous, there'll be only one after late show, night show I'll go to, and that's after midnight. You're welcome. I'll send the I'll let you know about this. I'll send this recording to you also so you can hold me to it. Next up, my friends, we go to coffee news. Yes, that's right, coffee. Starbucks wants to have fifty-five thousand stores by twenty thirty and wants to pay workers more long before that date. Uh, announced this Thursday, he wants to have 55,000 stores by 2030. Plans to open new kinds of stores in the U.S. Uh, dedicated to pick-up and drive-through service. So, like, no, like, sit down, just a drive-through and pick-up store. Uh, the currently store has currently, Starbucks currently has uh, just a little over 38,000 stores globally. Um... They plan to save $3 billion, uh, give another 35 million reward members, and then bump a, put a bump up in our worker hours, wages, and other incentives. In incentives. More Starbucks uh, customers, according to the press relief, are doing business via its app for cold beverages, food, and to-go orders. Uh, the company has faced questions about demand amid higher prices for basics. Starbucks stores, however, continue to unionize as workers demand better pay and protections. According to Sarah Trilling, um, Executive Vice President and President of Starbucks North America said in a statement, quote, to capture that demand, we will build new stores with new formats in new cities and, uh, and cities we're already in. To be clear, Starbucks has not saturated the U.S. market. Uh, Starbucks currently has 16,000 stores in the U.S., and expects to expand to count to 20,000 long-term. Uh, the company has uh, leaned on China for sales for growth, apparently. Uh, the chain had reported better-than-expected quarterly earnings. Um, executives said that uh, they expect fiscal 2024 same-store sales growth of 5 to 7%, with earnings growth of 50 to 20%. But some analysts apparently have questioned whether Starbucks uh, previous longer-term targets. Uh, shares were up Thursday with uh, this announcement. Uh, Starbucks says it plans to generate $3 billion in savings over three years. It said $2 billion of that will come from outside the store and cost of goods sold. Those saving goals, it said, would help it reinvest in the business and deliver returns to shareholders through progressive margin expansion and growth. Mm. Um, the company said that by the end of fiscal 2025, expect workers' hourly income at U.S. stores to double compared to fiscal 2020. The gains, it said, would come from more hours and higher wages, 
and said it would share more details on a new bundle of partner experience enhancements in the U.S. next week. So, um, it also said it would continue to expand its menu offerings via customizable orders, all-day breakfast, and all-day snacks. And also began a collaboration with uh, Delta Airlines Sky Miles and Starbucks reward members to earn miles when they spend money at Starbucks. So, if you are a flyer from Delta, you can earn some Sky Miles at Starbucks. So that's fun. So, I don't go there, but um, <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Anyway, so... Uh, be a whole lot more Starbucks by 2030. Well, my friends, that just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I remember to check out socialbead.io for all of your social media needs. Uh, speaking of social media, you can find me on the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Counter Social, the Threads at Colt S. Taylor. Check out ColtSebastianTaylor.com for all things me. Uh, you can watch me play Dungeons and Dragons Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. or 8:30 p.m. Just you know, you should really just follow uh, Twitch.tv/TheLongShotsDnd. And um, I'm also on Cameo, Cole S. Taylor. Uh, but always, always thank you for following and subscribing to uh, the podcast at Anchor.fm/ColtSTaylor. All right, my friends. Until next week. I'm Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.